Hello, I'm Andrew from RO Video and welcome to Back to the Disc Player, the RO Video podcast. This is episode number one, a bit of an experiment, we'll see how it goes. The podcast has been inspired by our Adopt-A-Movie scheme, which enables customers and supporters to purchase a lifelong affiliation with a title in the RO Video library or an acquisition that we may not have. The reasons that someone might do this are wide and varied, and we often have interesting conversations over the counter about these things. So we thought the podcast was a chance for adopters to wax lyrical about their favorite films and tell us a little bit about themselves. This first episode is with an artist called Claire Harris. She chose to adopt all 17 features in the filmography of Lindsay Lohan and provides some pretty interesting insights as to why she's done this. I particularly like the way Claire challenged my preconceptions about Lindsay, uh, who has something of a reputation as a Hollywood brat. We hope you enjoy the conversation. My thanks to Sven de Strom, who recorded and edited this episode. Hi, Claire. Hello. Welcome to Upstairs at RO Video for the inaugural RO Video podcast. Thank you for inviting me. You are the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Thank you for um, coming on board with our Adopt a Movie program yeah. in a very committed way. Um, so to tell listeners, we um, I received an email from you a couple of weeks ago out of the blue um, asking um, if it would be okay if you could adopt all 17 of Lindsay Lohan's um, filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell yeah, was my first <laughs> reaction. <laughs> uh, that was my first reaction. My second reaction was, um, is she for real? <laughs> because I wasn't familiar with your project, uh, although you did explain it in a paragraph. Um, that is a reaction I've got a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So we do get approached by different people and some of them are more genuine than others. Um, and so there's a natural scepticism, but it was, um, you know, after reading what you had to say properly, it was obvious this was um, a bona fide thing that you were doing. And... Um, so, can you just tell us a little bit about the project, uh, which I believe is called Happy Birthday, Lindsay Lowen? Happy Birthday, Lindsay Lowen. Um, so, it started off as a as a one off thing, um, very much of the moment in two thousand eleven, when um, Lindsay was, uh, I guess, at the peak of her notoriety, um, and uh, under house arrest. Um, after being found guilty of DUI and behaving quite badly in court. Um, And I had kind of, for quite a few years, felt a sense of um, uh, empathy slash concern slash kind of kindred spirit feeling for for Lindsay Lohan, Um, just based on the horrible awkwardness of growing up in public, um, being a quite successful child actress and trying to transition into adult roles, and also culturally at that time, um, which, I mean, sort of the first decade of the 2000s was kind of the peak of a lot of very gross cultural trends, Mm. um, like the Mary-Kate and Ashley 18, turning 18 countdown clock, Right. Um, 
just the really intense um, commercial commercialization of mm. of tween celebrities. Yeah, so Mary Kate and Ashley were kind of contemporaries of Lindsay yes. Lohan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was both the the really intense um, commercialization bordering on exploitation of yeah. famous famous teenagers and teenagers. Yeah. Um, and the accompanying kind of gross, older, leering male mm. um, view, and also the sense that there was this kind of collective cultural just waiting for them to fail. Yeah. Um, of course, this was also around the time of Winona Ryder's shoplifting, yeah. uh, Britney's head shaving incident. And Macaulay Culkin, would he have played into it? As, um, you know, as a forerunner? Yes, definitely Somebody. as a forerunner. Yeah. Um, did he did he fall from grace, or is he just somebody that didn't adapt to adult acting? And do uh, you know anything about that? I don't know all that much. I do know that he had um, there was some kind of protracted legal dealings of him trying to um, sever himself from his father having financial control right. over his career. Right. Sure. Which, of course, yeah. is often a complicating and factor it was with very child public. stars. Yeah, yeah. it was so very it was, public. It is very much part yeah. of that same um, bubble. Yeah. Um, mm. Though I think Macaulay Culkin, I think, is leading a pretty good life as an adult. Um, I don't know if he's still in the Pizza Underground, which right. was his Velvet Underground covers band, where all the songs were changed to be about pizza. Okay, yeah. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he led a pretty, um, almost off the radar, but not really New York bohemian life right. for, for quite some time. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think he's well, done quite a Well, that's a sensible thing to do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. To have a exactly. Velvet Underground covers band. Absolutely. When you're a, a, a child star celebrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, so in 2011, um, I was also at a bit of a loss because I had, um, I'd, I'd done one year of a postgraduate fine arts program and been told that there wasn't a place for me in the second year of it, mm -hmm. which was a shock. Mm. Um, and I was kind of on that brink of, oh, well, can I actually commit to being, mm -hmm. being an artist? Mm. And reaching the realisation that what I really wanted from life was just to be able to make artwork and exhibit it and have some kind of public feedback and not lose a lot of money doing it yeah um which was very freeing as yeah. a as a former art student um just to be no i just want to make the work and not bankrupt myself in vanity projects yeah <laughs> sure sure so was the in that first year um of of study, um, formal study, were the kinds of things that you were interested in similar to the to the you know the media that you worked in with this this project. Um, well, I had made a big change because um, I had done my bachelor of fine arts at Canterbury, at majoring in photography, mm -hmm. which the photography department there um, under Glenn Bush was very um, focused on. Uh, black and white documentary photography, um, the kind of um, stuff that came out of the 1930s. And, yep. yeah. um, it wasn't rigidly so, like I as a student was allowed a lot of freedom. My final year there I made photo comics right. about people with alter egos. 
Um, but yeah, I definitely come out of this photography background and then um, made kind of a detour into the indie comics world. Right. Uh, and when I started doing a year of postgrad study in 2009 at Massey, um, was just completely shaken up by the suggestion that I do video work. Right. Which I had always thought of as um, something that was outside of my capabilities. Bizarrely enough, considering I was a giant film geek mm. and had been trained in yeah. um, analog photography. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I made a transition to um, to doing video works that were very short and kind of based on the idea of comedy and trauma. Right. So obviously, the life of Lindsay Lohan, the life of a child star and mm -hmm. of young female stars in Hollywood, that kind of comedy tragedy. Right. Sure. Um, or trauma expressed through defensive humor yeah i think is very very relevant was there a, um, a social media component to what you were thinking about then was that was, was the idea of short video i mean that wasn't really something that was um you know that used that format back then would that be right i'm sort of yeah well that was um something that actually unfolded during the process of the first the first iteration of Happy Birthday Lindsay Lohan in 2011 was I was doing it in a basement gallery space on Dixon Street. Right. Um, it was a gallery space called um, My Galaxy which was managed by Arlo Edwards mm -hmm. um, and supported by James Gilbeard at Photospace and um, so there was kind of that idea of oh, I'm going to shut myself in this kind of bunker-like basement and watch Lindsay Lohan films for 25 hours on her 25th birthday yeah. while she's under house arrest. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was a sort of a bit of a smart ass, oh, I'm doing this in solidarity with Lindsay to help her through it thing. Mm. Um, but also I was um, live streaming with a webcam um, yeah. and communicating with people um, via Facebook and via, um, I was using a website called Ustream where you can also live chat Yep. as well as as um, yep. video stream. And the kind of the breakthrough was um, I started out with a separate web camera and watching DVDs on a laptop. And I realized, oh, hey, my laptop has a webcam. Hmm. Um, instead of using the separate web camera, I can literally watch Lindsay Lohan on a screen and then have a camera above that screen live streaming my own face. Hmm. Um, so that anyone who's watching at home is very literally watching me, watching Lindsay. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge breakthrough for that work. And I think the reason why it's something I've come back to over and over again is that wider thing of, um, the feeling of watching someone whose work you enjoy and the kind of aspect of care in that or, um, attention and caring attention and the idea that through that um, webcam of people watching me watching Lindsay anyone mm -hmm. in the audience was also sharing yeah that sure. kind of caring yeah that caring attention yeah, yeah. so um, just just to go back a little bit uh, about your um, love of Lindsay mm -hmm. Lilo yeah um, is, is she about you know, she's just turned 32 yep. on the 2nd of July, which is two days ago, and... Um, yeah, being a bit older than Lindsay, um, discovering her 
Disney films when she was kind of poised on the brink of adult stardom but also getting a, a reputation for partying um, and because she was kind of a D Disney princess really wasn't she yes. like like she was laying the golden egg yes for Disney and they were um, they were definitely trying to do the whole um, triple threat um, wrap right. around of her also releasing an album right um, overdoing it basically. overdoing it um, yeah kind of following again the Olsen twins template where they had fashion lines, they had yep. uh, fictional book series in the kind of babysitter's club mould except ones where they were detectives. Um, so it was the same thing that attempt to um, saturate the market with Lindsay product, yeah. fashion, um, music and screen. And she was working very, very hard for the years 2004 to 2006. Um, I yep. think in each of those years she was in about three movies per yeah. year. So how old would she be then? So that's 14 years ago. Yep, so, so. she was, uh, that's when she was 15, 16, 17. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, because just looking at the at the catalogue as we were, we were going through them and seeing child star Lindsay Lohan, she's kind of a different, uh, she's very different to her teenage Mm -hmm. blossoming if you like she kind of you know there are kind of almost two Lindsay's in terms of the persona would, yes. would you agree with that I would absolutely agree with that um, in her child roles there's very often this kind of um, scrappy tomboy type um, a lot like early Jodie Foster films yep. Yep. Um, she's kind of the plucky heroine um, yep. cute as a button cute cute as a button but um, not not a princess girl. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very freckly, I noticed. Very, very freckly. Which was quite endearing. Yes. <laughs> um, and one of the difficult things with, um, and one of the reasons why I super identified with her was um, that she developed um, a very womanly body mm -hmm. in her late teens. And that became the source of an incredibly persistent urban legend around the filming of Herbie Fully Loaded, um, which was that it was claimed that um, people in test screenings had complained that her breast size was inappropriate for a children's film. Right. And there was this legend that um, the, in digital post-production they had gone through the movie and shrunk her breasts. Right, okay. Um, again, very much a, I think, what was Herbie Fully Loaded? Maybe 2006? Yeah. So again, very much on that crest of yeah. um, digital like, technology. It sounds like quite a believable available. legend. Yes. Like, do you give it much credence? Um, the digital shrinking of, of her breasts did not Perhaps happen. Perhaps not, no. Um, I, as far as I've been able to find out, there wasn't... The kind of specific test audience feedback. Yeah. Um, it was more that there was sort of a generalised discomfort right. around yeah. her, her and, appearance. Right. Um, and it was shortly after that that she dramatically became very thin. Right. Um, which fed a lot of speculation about yeah. drug use. Right, okay. Um, yeah. But, I mean, for me... I mean, I can't help but see a correlation between um, 
being in your first, your first foot growing up in public, being in a film role where you're playing an adult for the first time because her character mm. in Herbie Fully Loaded is um, in her final year of college. Right. So it was her first role where she's not playing a high school student. Right. Um, and then having this um, this widespread persistent idea that mm -hmm. people were reacting to your adult body as being mm. obscene. Right. Um, simply through Disney. existing. It was Disney as well. Yeah. 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 So there was a... Um, so. She, I mean, had she become a sex symbol at that point, or was it prior to that? What, 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 where, um, where do you think the transition was, or in the way that the public kind of perceived her, or what she was, um, how she was cast? I mean, there was a very, very gross um, overlay of public perception. Um, Donald Trump in 2004 was speculating what she would be like in bed. Right. You know, these video, um, not video, uh, audio of him on radio shows. Right, right, talking sure. with the, Howard Stern and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about mm. her cleavage freckles and whether they made her right. more or less attractive. Like that, right, just that's right, right. Gen yeah, that yeah. general sense mm -hmm. that there was of, um, mm -hmm. and obviously still is, but is perhaps expressed less grotesquely. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, that sense of public ownership of yeah, famous, for sure. famous women's bodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was a victim of that. Yeah. Yeah. Is this stuff that you picked up on kind of retrospectively, or, you know, you were following it as it was happening? Um, I was pretty much following it as it was happening from about 2008 onwards. So that was her productive years as a Disney starlet were at their end, yeah. um, but I had discovered that body of work and been really impressed by her um, her kind of charisma as a performer, yeah. um, and I was kind of hanging out for her to get a good role, mm -hmm. and a role that played to her strengths, right. and then instead it was this situation where it's like, um, I was almost like the, the flip switched, you're 18, you're an adult now, mm. um, we can slag you off. As much yeah. as we want, yeah, sure. And we can also speculate obscenely about mm -hmm. you, um, while at the same time because treating she's you with contempt. Because she's not conforming to a, a certain code of conduct that's yeah. expected of a Disney princess. Is mm -hmm. that the the thing? Is it? Uh... Um, Partially that, and because it was, was yeah. pre Miley Cyrus transition. Oh yeah, very pre Miley Cyrus. So yeah. there was no real precedent. There of was, a Disney innocent becoming a party girl, particularly? Probably, though I think definitely there would have been in the 1970s with maybe yeah. Tatum O'Neill, was that more yeah. 80s? But I think the really tricky thing with, um, with Lindsay was there was an attempt by her or her management or Disney to transition her into adult roles without her having to do the breakout... Um, gritty role like mm. Jodie Foster did in Taxi Driver or yeah. um, oh, we've seen various other child stars do of doing a prestige film yeah. um, where they're playing against type against yeah. type yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I think the plan with Lindsay with her be fully loaded was 
to keep her playing in type. Yeah. And interestingly enough, her public comments at the time were very much that she wanted to have a career like Anne Margaret. Right. Um, so she wanted mm. to be the kind of light comedy, yeah. um, musical. Um, Which was quite a noble you know, thing to want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Um, so I think it was very much her being pulled between or there not really being a roadmap for that that transition of being right. a child star and not going down the serious, serious actress route yeah. or going down the, oh, now she's washed up route. Right, sure. That she, yeah. she really attempted a kind of seamless transition into being um, grown up without having to go adult, uh, which really backfired, yeah. I think. What was there for you, was there a precedent in terms of your... Um, you know, fancy for want of a better word of a celebrity or or interest. It was or was this sort of like a? Did you find yourself somehow, you know, uh, caught up in something that you hadn't quite that took you by surprise? You know, in terms of, you know, being charmed by her. Yeah. Um, I think I had very much had experiences of growing up in a pre-digital age. Um, of becoming um, fixated on old movie stars, primarily yeah. through imagery and books, sure. rather than ever actually seeing yeah. seeing the media, mm -hmm. um, and also things like um, you know getting up on Saturday morning to tape music videos off the TV or yeah. um, that kind yeah. of pre-digital where you could be in you could. Mm -hmm. Intensely follow someone based on an idea pretty much compiled through publicity material rather than through. Sure. Okay, can you name yeah. names? Just one? Um, <laughs> a bit of Jean Harlow. Right. Uh, Lana Turner. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of music videos, so was, there, was there, you know, things that you were taping or. Oh, I was so into. I was so into Massive Attack. Right. Um, yeah. I do, I do definitely remember seeing Madonna and Prince music videos mm -hmm. in my childhood and it being an event when one of them came on TV and you got to see it and that yeah. might be the only chance you ever got. Yeah. Um, so, uh, an ex you know, having um, posters on your bedroom wall or, mm -hmm. or pictures or cutouts from magazines, would you have a picture of Jean Harlow, for example? Yes, yeah. Right. Um, I had pictures of Jean Harlow that I photocopied from library books. Right, and, um, okay. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. For a youngster in the early 90s, would it be, or late 90s? Uh, yeah, mid-90s. Mid-90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, there wouldn't be too many that have Jean Harlow on their wall. Hmm. But otherwise, yeah. it's just pretty normal, typical, yeah. you know. Um, so I think, uh, the, um, I think mm -hmm. the real new thing with Lindsay Lohan was um, discovering her when I was already an adult. Mm. And also that it wasn't me um, trying to piece together something from the past. It was that I could watch it while, while her career was happening yep. or not happening. Um, mm. So did you consider yourself, once you became obsessed, mm. <laughs> um, that you became, you know, the expertise that you started to develop? Is that sort of part of it as well? A kind of a... You know, you are looking deeper than anyone else, 
perceivably yeah. about a particular subject, you know, and so, and I, I'm just um, trying to get onto that idea of why, um, um, yeah, just what what is the allure of kind of learning more and more and more about somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, or were you just uh, more self-conscious as an artist around your obsession? Well, a lot of that initial obsession was very reactionary to the, the cultural climate. Um, yeah. It was me trying to say, hey, um, there's more to this woman's life than a punchline. She's mm-hmm. 25 years old and she's been in 15 feature films mm-hmm. and she's been modelling since she was four. Um, she's basically worked... Her whole life, um, you know, a so, cut her some slack and b yeah. have a look at the work she's done. Yeah, sure. Um, and also, yeah. do you think take her a bit more seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very much, yeah. The um, the gendered disgust at the way that um, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. and Johnny Depp. You know, it's a it's a different kettle of fish when a a twenty something um, male actor is partying and presumably mm. possibly doing drugs or mm, sure. you know looking gaunt or yeah um, yeah for sure behaving erratically. Was she linked to those guys? No, no, no. no was, she was, was she linked to anybody, any celebrity, romantically? Is there kind um, of? A, I mean, I'm not up with that. Aaron Carter. Right. Uh, Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, Aaron Carter, yep. is his younger sibling, yeah. um, who was kind of launched into a tween pop stardom on the back of the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of like Disney alumni yeah, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned before there was um, you 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 yourself had some kind of feminist awakening as you described it. Yeah. What What do definitely. you mean by that? Um, it was. Um, yeah, having come of age in the late 90s, early 2000s, and having been a bit of an um, undergraduate libertarian, to my shame, <laughs> um, there was that idea of, I knew obviously that, that sexism existed, um, but I had kind of absorbed this, this message of, oh, well, you just prove them wrong, by being better and smarter and more logical and sure. then they'll have to take you seriously. Sure. And I think, yeah, seeing the Lindsay, the way Lindsay Lohan was treated um, by the media and culture mm. at large was when it really did click for me, oh, it's not individual problems that women have, mm-hmm. it's that there's a whole cultural system of not taking yeah. women seriously. Sure. Um, which was really brought to a head for me when... Um, because uh, at the same time I was very into comic book fandom and was spending a lot of my time on the internet on comic book fan forums mm. and I um, I pointed out to some people who were making fun of Lindsay Lohan that, you know, they wouldn't talk about Keith Richards that way. Mm. Um, and another commenter made a quite off-the-cuff comment of, oh, who would have guessed, you know, misogyny on a comic book forum? And... Mm. Um, which kind of hit me like a lightning bolt to have someone actually describe that as misogyny. Um, but also that I had been too afraid to make that connection mm-hmm. and that it took a guy to be able to point out 
what I was trying to hint at mm. of, you know, obviously there's gender at play here, mm. um, to point out, oh yes it is, you mm. know. Patiently obvious. Patiently obvious, yeah. 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 So mm. that, that was my feminist origin story. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're encountering that kind of feedback and uh, uh, from, uh, from men and women, um, mm. you know, that are um, either uh, uh, kind of slightly shocking or uh, affirming your worst fears, <laughs> um, how um, the whole idea of somebody living a public life and then being... Um, uh, you know, f fodder for for people's um, uh, worst instincts. Um, mm -hmm. When you yourself took up upon the idea of um, doing performance art that was a tribute to to Lindsay Lohan, you're stepping into that arena. You're, you're opening yourself up to criticism, um, and uh, in a very potentially very direct and upsetting way so just can you tell us a bit about you know your trepidation around doing it and and you know whether it's was worth it uh, through some of the things that you might have some of the backlash you might have come across well I mean I can't pretend to be completely altruistic um, I mean there is a big part of me that enjoys Lindsay Lohan as a public figure because of that period of being a hot mess um, mm. uh, so I can't say that you know I'm only motivated by an enjoyment of her acting output sure uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, goes without saying but you can say saying. it anyway um, but I guess I take the position that um, you have this enormous ego that you just need to find a, a forum for. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I did. I did have a sense, and I think um, this is not so much uh, active delusion as the kind of delusion that you need to commit to a project. A sense mm -hmm. in the beginning that I was in some way keeping Lindsay Lohan alive. Um, mm -hmm. Because of course there was a real fear that, you know, in in 2011, 2012, there was a very real fear that she might not survive. Survive. Yeah, sure. Um, and that was a big factor in doing it again the second year, and then keeping doing it was this right. kind of feeling of oh well. On an emotional level, a feeling of, in some way, keeping her alive through, I don't know, love or positive energy but mm -hmm. um, also on a literal level a feeling of if she's going to keep being in the media all the time mm. um, then trying to reframe that a little bit onto her work um, which she has always stood behind um, I mean she hasn't she hasn't pulled a Greta Garbo with her life she kept mm. trying to get work even when she wasn't able to work yeah. Um, because of her legal problems. Um, yeah. She still periodically um, returns to acting. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so so so, given what you've just said, the idea of watching 25 hours consecutively of 
um, Lindsay Lohan films, mm-hmm. um, which um, that and and you know obviously this would change because you've done it several times. Um, you know the, the the process of doing it. You know, you're. I would imagine the first time you do it, you're pretty much engaging as much as possible in actually watching the films and just trying to be as unselfconscious as possible. But yeah. you know, I would imagine once you've done it more than once or you're over familiar with the films themselves um, just tell us about some of the things that kind of go through your mind when you're doing a marathon you know what what what, what how are you uh, what are you occupying your mind with really uh, apart from a, staring at the screen on a logistic level um, there's definitely getting to know at which points I should plan to take meal breaks um, because I know I can leave the movie running and Lindsay isn't going to be on screen for another half hour. Right, so, sure. Yeah. Uh, so most yeah. years I would have spent most of Machete. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is not a film that particularly rewards multiple yeah. viewings. Sure. Um, I would spend yeah. most of Machete catching up on sleep or... Um, because of your taste? Uh, in, 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 in Particularly? Or because it's a cartoonish, ultra-violent bloke fest um both yeah um and it doesn't yeah. have much Lindsay Lohan in it it doesn't have much Lindsay Lohan no. in it yeah yeah um I mean over the years definitely my my opinions on some of the films have shifted mm. in terms of which ones I think are better as movies and which ones yeah um I we... just have a personal fondness for because of Lindsay's performance or because of the weird yeah um I do have an enjoyment of Get a Clue, which was one of the Disney TV movies she did yeah. when she was very young, just because yeah. of the ridiculous fashion. Sure. Um, yeah. Ridiculous yeah. year 2000 fashion. We have um, um, the collection pretty much here yeah. at our fingertips. and um, uh, She's playing, I think, maybe a 14-year-old, gradient sunglasses, everything with diamantes on it, yeah. pink fake fur... Um, bootleg pants with pop-art cherry prints. Um, it's just such a perfect kind of time capsule of early 2000s. Sure. Would it be a cut above? I haven't seen this film. In fact, I confess to having having only seen three Lindsay Lohan films, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I have personally seen Mean Girls. Yep. I have seen Freaky Friday, yep. um, which the original came out when I was about 12. So... Yep. Um, and I thought it was a pretty decent remake. I've seen The Prairie Home Companion because it's a Robert Altman film. Um, and there was, for, I've seen Machete as well, and I confess to not having seen the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Get a Clue one is, um, is that a kind of cut above your D- Disney Channel TV movie? You know where, you know, or is it pretty much in that mold? Um, I don't have that big of a ground for comparison. Right. Um, it is... Did you not? You you were too old for High School Musical. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Have you seen High School Musical? Just out of interest? Not all the way through. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's alright. Um... Um... Was it that turgid? It just wasn't your... Just curious, actually. Just because it's not really a million miles from... Yeah. A lot of what Lindsay did. It's very strange that I haven't seen High School Musical. Yeah, okay. Um, I've got kids that are 
just the right age yeah. to to watch it ad nauseum. So I have a an unhealthy appreciation of it. I think probably the closest I've seen were things like the early two thousands um, Josie and the Pussycats movie. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, skewed it. Mm. So slightly, is, maybe slightly older, like a, about about people in the early twenties intended for an audience of. 16, 17 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think that she had a, a good run for Disney? Do yes. you think? Yeah. Like, like um, I think there's five or six films that she made. Yeah. And you think they're all pretty decent? They're all pretty decent. Um, yeah. I also really enjoy Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Yeah. Um, where she plays this sort of over the top. Um, suburban kind of theatre kid who insists on calling herself Lola right. um, and I love it because the whole the whole plot involves her and her best friend desperately trying to get to see a, um, a famous band and it has funnily enough um, I've completely gone like, Megan Fox Megan Fox is the mean girl arch nemesis yeah um pre-Transformers fame right. Megan Fox yep. mm-hmm. um, but I love it because it, it, it has a happy ending um, and they, they lie to their parents they sneak off to New York City they mm. end up backstage with the drunken guitarist mm. it nothing bad happens sort to of, them um, like a riff on Ferris Bueller in that, yeah. that model yeah. 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 yeah Okay. Um, that sounds quite good yeah I yeah. enjoy that, yeah. that film a lot Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have um, in her filmography that's notable or of, of interest? I mean, Mean Girls was definitely... Um, I think they were hoping very much that that would be a springboard into um, a more lasting career. Yeah, be- yeah. transition from being a teeny bopper yeah. into a Reese Witherspoon or mm-hmm. a somebody absolutely that can, um, yeah more, more adult as I say college age but, yeah you know. so I mean um, in terms of the role she was playing Mean Girls was a step backwards into playing a high school student again even though she was in her early 20s okay. but I mean then the film itself was much more aimed at an older audience looking back at high school right. than at a, a young high school audience aspiring to be just a couple of years older and just a bit yeah. cooler. Um, yeah. I remember talking to you and you saying that it that it didn't hold up as well as as people might think. Yeah, you know. well, it has amazing moments, but then there's also just some really clunky preachiness from Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you think you thought had dated. I thought had dated, especially yeah. because there is that kind of criticism of... Um, overtly trashy um, or there's that I guess a, a phrase that a lot of people used at the time was the pornification of mm. popular culture with things like Girls Gone Wild and you know reality shows about yeah. Playboy yeah, bunnies yeah. that yeah. idea that it had become normalised that um, that young woman and that teenage girls would uh, right. display themselves sexually right. for so a male Tina gaze Fey was 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 Pushing back against pushing that. back against right. that, but in a way that mm. very much comes across as 
uh, blaming girls for being stupid. Right. Rather than hmm. uh, questioning why why the quickest way to get attention is to hmm. wear a tiny t-shirt that says porn star. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Or, uh, yeah. I, I can't remember too much about the film, but I, I remember it, you know, it's it's often compared to films like Clueless, mm-hmm. um, Reality Bites from the 90s, and also the John Hughes films of the 80s. And uh, it not... Um, obviously, I was a lot older when I watched it, but um, and not the target market. But um, it 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 to me didn't um, didn't quite gel mm-hmm. on those terms. Yeah, you, you know, it, it it felt like very much of the moment and not necessarily something that um, you know would be held up as a classic. But it seems yeah. to have a you know. It seems to be something that people have a lot of affection for. Well, it has some some great moments, some great one-liners, some great um, observations. Uh, like even in the bits I don't like, the the Tina Fey characters' preachy intervention with the the high school girls to try and stop the high school girls forming cliques and competing against each other. And mm. um, there's some great moments where the the supposed trust exercises. Uh, the teenage girls are actually just using them to re-inscribe the, their gossip and rivalries, but through this fake contrition of, mm. oh yeah, I'm sorry I told everyone about blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, mm. Which, yeah, I, I personally find very um, entertaining and true mm. to life. Mm. Um, I think that the high school genre, I mean, you know, it doesn't really necessarily matter um, often the quality uh, of, of the film or whether it's consistent or whether it's, you know, it, it uh, there is, there is just such an affection for the genre in general, mm-hmm. high school movies in general. I think that there's, um, uh, that they are just eminently watchable. So it's possibly why it, um, lingers, you know, yeah. um, you know, as one of the, um, uh, iconic, Lindsay Lohan films. And also just, yeah, great supporting characters, mm. um, great uh, actors in the supporting character roles. Um, mm. I mean, Amy Poehler's um, part as the cool mom. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of really great mm. observational character sketches. How many um, times would you have you've seen it, Claire? <laughs> of maybe about 10 or 12. Right, yeah. 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 So um, it's 10 or 12 the maximum of what you would have watched a Lindsay Lohan film? Or, um, or probably. There... And again, yeah. that is probably a factor in why I feel that Mean Girls hasn't aged well because it is the one that I've watched the most. Right. So okay. I'm probably at that yeah. point where yeah, I'm, sure. I'm picking yeah, at things slightly a lot tainted. more. Yeah. 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 Um, is there um, any of her later period uh, films that you would recommend or... Um, Bobby and Chapter 27 mm-hmm. are both, um, well, Bobby's a big ensemble cast film. It's kind mm-hmm. of a Grand Hotel-style plot about um, the assassination of RFK. Yeah. So it has all these various characters who are staying in the hotel when that happens and little glimpses at their, right. their yeah. lives of mm-hmm. um, people staying at the hotel and staff members. And Lindsay has a very small role as a um, 
a young girl who's marrying her childhood, her um, high school sweetheart, played by Elijah Wood, mm -hmm. um, in order to um, make him less likely to be drafted to Vietnam. Uh, and the main scene she has is a scene with um, Sharon Stone, who plays the hotel beautician, who's giving her a manicure prior mm. to her wedding, uh, which I really love, that scene between the two of them. Um, and it really does play up Lindsay's strengths as an actress, which are um, sort of playing a real person in social situations. Mm. Like, she does social face acting really well. Mm. Um... I remember, I mean, just talking of her, her um, what you thought of her acting ability, you were talking about her last film. Was it, is Liz and Dick the last one or is it The Canyons? Uh, last But One, yeah. Yeah, Liz so Last Dick. But One, Liz and Dick, which is the uh, TV biography of, um, or biopic of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard uh, Burton. Mm -hmm. And you, you thought that there was, that was a, the kind of thing that... Um, maybe brought into sharp relief her, her limits as an actress. Yes, well I think um, it was a bad choice for her because she doesn't really, she doesn't do impersonation um, well vocally. Mm. Uh, I mean it's kind of strange because in The Parent Trap, which is her first film, The Parent Trap remake, one of the twins is English and she actually does an okay-ish job Hmm. Um, but she has a very distinctive voice, um, and I haven't seen in any of her adult roles, uh, any real ability to be able to modulate yeah. her accent. Sure, sure. Um, and that kind of thing of, you know, doing an impersonation of someone very famous, uh, is the kind of thing that tends to get recognised as good acting. That's true. Um, is yeah. having that chameleon quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a high bar, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, I Lindsay, yeah, she doesn't have that chameleon quality, but she's very good at acting like a, a normal person, mm. um, which I think is an overlooked mm. skill, mm -hmm. uh, which really comes to the fore in Bobby and in Chapter 27 as well, where um, Chapter 27 is about, it's another assassination-based film, about the um, assassination of... John Lennon, and she plays a, um, a John Lennon fan who just kind of hangs out outside the apartment with some of the other fans and talks to Mark Chapman, uh, and her so role... So another that, small role? Yep, um, a bit bigger than her Bobby role. Um, she probably has the most on-screen time apart from Jared Leto who plays Mark Chapman. A lot of the film is, is him monologuing and him alone in rooms. Mm. Um, but her scenes with, with that character where she's playing this person who's really torn between being a bit scared and a bit creeped out and also wanting to be nice to him and um, just seeing that really encapsulated perfectly in, in her facial acting. Right. Um, that kind of acting of sort of normal social routines of, okay. oh... Yeah, Do yeah. I want to keep going with this conversation mm -hmm. or, oh, but, you know, he doesn't really have any friends, mm -hmm. so, um, like, being able to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that can be quite satisfying mm. to watch somebody just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is, do you think that's an innate ability or it's just something that comes from being in front of the camera since you were four? Um, I think probably both, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah, she does have that ability to kind of um, project project inner emotional states without being yeah. hammy about it. Yeah. yeah. You're almost kind of wetting my appetite to see her come back. Yeah. Um, do you think that that, I mean, that a, that a kind of, um, you know, a Tarantino of the future, you know, or somebody will, you know, bring her back from obscurity and, and you know, she might have newfound respectability? I... Is that something the, you fantasise about? I, at the moment, I, I really definitely do fantasise about her having a um, late 40s, early 50s kind of comeback. Yeah. Um, hmm. Not something like his on the nose is the kind of Sunset Boulevard. No. Um, <laughs> no. no. But, you know, when I think about people like... Um, Although, it's, you know, it's ripe for a remake yeah. of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, when I think about people like Gillian uh, Anderson, mm. um, and you know, yeah, basically she took she took a bit of time out, and now, yeah. I mean, she's mm. definitely the one who has the career rather than David Duchovny. Mm. Um, I don't know; he's a rock and roll star now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but um, played at the San Fran bathhouse. Yeah, true. I think I think one of the difficulties with Lindsay is I think she's a bit of a workaholic. Right. Um, so, I mean, my personal career fantasy trajectory for her would be that she took, you know, a, a decade out of, um, out of acting, and then so she has started again. Hasn't uh, worked for a few years. Um, she's been. She's done some television work. Um, she's really kind of put the attempts to be a movie star on hold. Um, she did quite a long run in London on the stage in a David Mamet play. Um, that was around 2014, right. 2015. Yeah. And she, after that, she sort of resettled first in Europe and now in Dubai, um, where a lot of the, a lot of her, um, a lot of the attraction of Dubai for her is that it's kind of a paparazzi-free zone. Right. Um, they have a lot of laws around photographing people in public. Right. And of course, so there may be no real desire for her to actually be a movie star. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, even if she is in her forties, fifties. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, she definitely talks about still wanting to work mm. um, and enjoying the process of acting. Mm. And um, mm. she, yeah, she has just finished appearing in a, a British TV show with Rupert Grant. I think she's coming back to do another season of that. Mm. So, I think it's probably, you know, if she plugs away for a bit, just doing doing kind of small-scale stuff, mm. um, but I think she could have a fascinating later career as a character actress. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So, it brings me to, um, you know, your decision to adopt her films at Aro Video. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell, tell us why you decided to do that and how that kind of plays into Happy Birthday, Lindsay Lohan. Um, well, I was kind of, I was looking for a way to keep the project going without me having to watch the marathon every year um, because I've reached... Uh, <laughs> I've reached an age where I can't really do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I can't pull all-nighters. Um, mm. I have medical conditions that mean that I need a lot of sleep. Um, and I have a baby. 
Yeah. How uh, old's your baby? He's 15 months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so you didn't do the the marathon last year then? I skipped it last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, I did mm -hmm. it in 2016, yeah. um, but I slept through pretty much all of it. <laughs> um, I have a lot of screen caps that a friend sent me off me on the webcam just to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but that means that the project has evolved. <laughs> mm. You're not it doing has. the same thing year in, year I'm out. I'm not doing the same thing year in, year out. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of diffused outwards with the adoption that mm. instead of me having to watch all her movies on her birthday, um, I can just watch the ones that I want to watch. Um, and know that they're all still here at Aro Video, available to rent, and that anyone can rent them for free on her birthday. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, which... Forevermore. Forevermore. Um, is a kind of permanence. Um, the idea of them being available. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they also, you know, the, the beauty of the... Um, people adopting movies is that um, we just get to kind of dust dust them off mm -hmm. um, uh, sometimes literally and uh, you know give give them a um, another chance to to be seen and so that's the whole it's, it's a really fun part of um, running the library is being able to uh, yeah pull things out from the dark recesses and uh, you know where things have been ignored for one or another reason and then all of a sudden there is you know as I say just talking about Lindsay Lohan makes me really yeah. <laughs> want to see uh, Parent Trap you know which yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen but it's good you know. it drags a bit at the end yeah um, for example I mean Claire it's very good <laughs> Or Georgia Rule, which yeah. you recommended as a, uh, it's a pretty my personal decent favorite. drama. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was a huge draw card, even just the fact that it's called Adopt a Movie, um, in terms that the whole project is about that kind of affection, affection towards someone that you're a fan of. Mm. Um, and a certain fanish dedication that isn't. Um, obsessive or possessive but that's just about that that giving of attention and mm. um appreciation so the idea of adopting mm. I'm, I'm i'm hugging myself at the moment yeah. for want of well now i'm hugging the Lindsay dvds <laughs> but um that idea of adoption as in like a permanent marker of yes this yeah. is something i care about yeah and, sure yeah invest my attention into yeah, yeah, exactly. And it works both ways because we get to get to know, this is part of the reason for doing this podcast idea, is just knowing that there are stories with people attached to movies. We always think it's, it's great for anyone to ask themselves why they like the things they like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's never for anyone entirely an objective measure of quality. Um everyone has their, their idiosyncratic faves mm. um, and everyone has their things which are great but there's a reason that mm. they rate them so highly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the whole nub of what we're trying to do is like what what is uh, what is the reason? So I'd like to thank you 
<laughs> very much for um, committing to adopting 17 films. And it's been really lovely talking to you and finding out more about your, uh, who you are and what you do. Thank you.